Welcome to The World is Leadership. My name is Emmanuel Gobillo. In this show, I want to take a different approach to leadership. No buzzwords, no jargon. Instead, for each episode, I'll just pick up a random word and I'll use it to uncover a valuable lesson for leaders like you. Some words will be mundane, some extraordinary, some will be more obscure than others, but I'll use them all in order to help you become a better leader. So join me as we explore the word is leadership, turning everyday words into extraordinary insights. Subscribe, listen in, and let's start leading. Welcome. Welcome to week seven, episode seven of the word is leadership. It is a pleasure, it is an honor to once again have you with me to build a leadership lesson from a random word. I I want to thank so many of you for subscribing to the podcast. If you've subscribed, please rate, share, discuss, uh, just help me, help me spread the word and, and also just get in touch via the word is leadership.com because your feedback is fantastic and really helps me uh, to get better at this. So my mic is on, my dictionary is right here in front of me and yes, I if you're a regular listener, I can reassure you I have a new sound effect to accompany the uh, random word search and, and please note, I used the word sound effect. I did not say jingle uh, because somebody got in touch last week and said that jingle was the it was not the appropriate word to describe whatever it is that this um, this this effort at building uh, tension and excitement is. Um, so sound effect they said was a more appropriate word, and I take feedback on board, and they're right, and I admit it was rather poor uh, on my part when you have a podcast on words to use the wrong one. So sound effect it is. And anyway, if you're a new listener, I'm about to close my eyes. I'm about to open the dictionary on the random page, point to a random word, and then we'll see what we can learn from it in terms of leadership. So here I go. Just uh, for information and clarification, the sound effect that you heard was a train uh, for no particular reason apart from the fact that my dad uh, was a train driver and uh, I thought it'd be nice. It'd be nice to get back to the sound of my youth, to get back to my childhood, to think of my dad. Um, and, and this is not any old train. This is a TGV, the French fast train. Uh, and my dad was, in fact, one of the very first drivers of the TGV uh, and spent a lot of time actually testing and driving it. So here we go. And in case you're wondering, with all this talk of uh, jingles and sound effect and trains, you are indeed listening to the word is leadership. And the, week, the word uh, this week is liability. I'll, uh, liability, L-I-A-B-I L-I-T-Y, liability. What one is liable for, legally bound, answerable for, debts or pecuniary obligations is the definition. So that's liability. That's what we've got to work with. And um, of course, you know, the definition is right. When I hear liability, I hear debt. I also hear finance. Uh, and given that finance is the language of business and you and I are in the business of words, it probably would make sense to do a little something on finance. 
finance matters. In fact, I'm not sure I've ever mentioned this before, but I have a book uh, coming out next week. It's called This Is Not a Leadership Book, available from all good bookshops, available online for pre-order now. The more you pre-order, the more we trick the system, we trick the algorithms, we make the book discoverable. So please, please, please help me. Um, I know I keep on mentioning the book, but there's a point this time. And the point is that in the book, I have a rule and the rule is called follow the money, not the fashion. And that tells you something about how much I value financial literacy. So I, I in fact, I often compare finance. I didn't in the book, but I often compare finance to Esperanto. You know, I don't know if you know uh, or remember Esperanto, but it was a language um, created uh, in the, I think it was late 19th century. Um, but the idea of Esperanto was to build peace by creating a language that everybody would have to learn uh, and then everybody could understand each other. And the idea being that international understanding builds peace. And in, in a way, I, I think finance is that common language in business. It is the only language that can be understood across all business function, can be understood at all businesses, and drives understanding, and hopefully peace. Um, it is the only cross-functional, and to an extent cross-cultural language we have in business. So, you can't blame me for pointing out that leaders need to speak fluent finance, but I don't think I want to do a thing on finance because we got liability as the word, not finance. So let me let me try to do something a bit less obvious uh, than talk about the financial side of liability, but something which is in a way even more pertinent to leaders in terms of their development. It has to do with the first thing I said actually when I looked at the definition. I said something along the lines of when I think of finance. Uh, sorry, when I think of liability, I think of debt. And the question is, why? Why do I, as I suspect many, associate liability directly with its deficit? Why do we associate liability with a burden? You know, liability is something we have to carry. It's something that is heavy. When we say to someone who's not performing, you're a liability, that's hardly positive. So why is there such a negative connotation to the word liability? And the reason I'm saying that is because if you stop to think about it, a liability is something we gain when we acquire something. So we gain a liability when we gain an asset. You know, I have a liability because at some stage I made an investment or I desired something. I took a decision. So it is as a result, for example, of buying my car that I get the car loan. But I end up with both. I end up with the liability on the asset. And my point is that where we focus is likely uh, to change. And it's likely to change depending on the circumstances we're in. So what I mean by that is at the end of the month, when money is tight and my car loan premium comes up for payment, then of course my attention is going to be focused on liability. But if I need to get somewhere quickly because there's an emergency and I jump in my car, then I become grateful for the asset. And the point I'm trying to make is it is important for us as leaders to realize that in isolation, the liability mindset and the asset mindset take us to completely different places. They take us in completely different direction. So let me try to take them in turn to explain. So, so when I'm talk about the liability mindset, what I'm really talking about is a focus on the deficit. So from a personal point of view, it's really about focusing on should. 
I should have looked after my money better. I should have worked harder. I should have done this. I should have done that, etc., etc. You know, if you ever say of someone they're a liability, like I said earlier, then what really what you're saying is you should be different. You should act differently. So in effect, liabilities are always judgments. Liabilities are always judgment and the judgment is always guilty. You know, liabilities are by default to be avoided or corrected. Now, contrast that with the asset mindset. Now, unlike the should uh, or the deficit focus of liability, the asset mindset is all about focusing on what is. It's about benefits. It is by default positive. This person is an asset does sound a lot more positive than this person is a liability. And even without going to the extreme of calling people names, adopting an asset mindset is much more likely to give us a rounded view of a situation than if we start with the liability mindset. Because rather than judging, as we do with the liability mindset, the asset mindset pushes us towards an assessment. It pushes us to assess rather than judge. So, the truth is, when we look at a car, whether we look at it through the liability mindset or the asset mindset, the car doesn't change. The situation remains static, the same for people. They stay the same. It is our view of them which is different depending on the mindset we adopt. Our perception of them is directly born out of our orientation. Our view of the situation depends on whether we approach it with the liability mindset or with the asset mindset. And if our view changes, then the actions we take as a result of the assessment will also be different. If we judge a person as a liability, we're likely to take completely different actions than if we uh, judge them as an asset. So we inform the actions. And by the way, I, I, sorry, I, I had a slight hesitation here because I should also point out, it's quite an important point, I don't suggest you tell anybody they're a liability. I don't suggest you tell anybody they're an asset either. Um, not only because an asset is, is just completely mischaracterizes the relationship you have uh, from a leadership point of view, uh, because you don't own them. Um, and also because I pointed out when, I think it was the word tug, when we look for discretionary effort, we need autonomy. And when you own something, they are no longer autonomous. So calling people an asset is a mistake from that point of view. I also, I'm going to just say that and then end that part of the, uh, close that bracket, as they say. Um, I hate it when people say people are our greatest asset, not only because, as I just explained, it shouldn't be, but, but also because the people who normally use that uh, are the people who fundamentally look at employees are not so much as an asset as the biggest liability on their P&L. Uh, and in my experience, they're the very same people who would have absolutely no hesitation whatsoever in reducing that liability in order to protect their balance sheet. So uh, let me close that bracket, but forget about calling people asset or liability. But what I, what I just wanted to be clear on is, is also that I'm not saying, I'm not putting a greater value on the asset mindset than I do on the liability mindset. I'm not saying that one is more important than the other. I am simply pointing out that liabilities and assets are two sides of the same coin. I'm simply pointing out that true value can only be calculated 
with an appreciation of both an asset and a liability. All the positivity of the asset mindset will come to nothing if you ignore your liabilities. If I don't pay my car loan premium, my liability, then my asset, my car, will eventually be repossessed by the finance company. So a lack of attention to liabilities means you lose your asset. So as, as with most things in life, it's not one thing versus another. We need to care about both. The important lesson for leaders is about perspective. And perspective is very hard to get. It's very hard to get for two reasons. The first is that we get promoted to leadership because we can solve problems better and faster than most. And what that means is that it is the liability mindset that gets us to be promoted. So the liability mindset is well-developed and well-rewarded. The second reason we struggle with perspective is that the more liabilities we have, the more pressure we are under to reduce liability. The more pressure we're under to reduce liability, the more we focus on liability to the exclusion of assets. It's a vicious cycle. That's the vicious cycle of the liability mindset. So how can you make sure that you are intentional rather than instinctive about which mindset you, sh you choose? And to my mind, the key is to get back to what I said earlier about both mindsets. The key is to replace the should from the liability mindset and the what is of the asset mindset and to replace both with will be. Now, if you move from should have to will do, if you move from should be to will be, if you move from he is a liability to he will be an asset, you get a different result. Now, don't get me wrong. This is not about visualizing or manifesting as many think uh, seems to be the secret to performance. You can visualize and manifest as much as you want, but at some stage you'll have to do something. So wishing something won't make anything happen. The shift from should or is to to will be is a shift from the passive to the active. Whether it makes you assess or should makes you judge, both will always make you a victim. Because both should or is remove you from the equation as an actor. Should is too late and is just is. There's not much you can do. But will, on the other hand, makes you an actor. She will be an asset. I will exercise more, etc., etc. Forces you to think about what must change rather than focus on what is or blame yourself for what could have been. But it focuses you to look at the future. It focuses you on the future. The asset mindset helps you objectively assess the reality you are, you are in. The liability mindset helps you be critical. It helps you generate a dissatisfaction with the status quo. Both are necessary. But by starting with what will be, you have the clarity and you have the foresight that will ensure that both the liability and the asset mindset are taken into account and get you somewhere. You know, to use the 
trite analogy of the glass. It doesn't really matter if you see the glass as half full or half empty, as long as you see that at some stage you'll need to refill the glass to quench your thirst. On that note, let me leave you then with this week's question. What could you gain if you replace should or is with will be? Well, thank you for tuning into The Word is Leadership. I hope you find our exploration of today's word interesting. If you haven't already, then please subscribe to ensure you never miss an episode, each one helping you to lead better through unexpected words. And if you want to get in touch, share your thoughts, and, well, why not contribute a word for a future episode, you can always reach me at thewordisleadership.com. Until next time, this is Emmanuel Gobillot wishing you a great week.